This podcast is sponsored by Hibu, an award-winning e-commerce fulfillment provider, helping online businesses grow by taking care of all their order fulfillment needs, picking, packing, and posting products to customers all over the world. Fuel your growth and fulfill your ambitions with Hibu. in the podcast the bonus show before we get started with our usual post-match reaction we'll be joined by Richard Gould for that so looking forward to reviewing the Sunderland game today is Friday we haven't had the game yet uh, Matt is with me as always Matt it's the first home game of the season sun's going to be out it's uh, hopefully going to be a great spectacle with the gate absolutely packed out yeah it looks like it's going to be buzzing doesn't it I mean Sunderland always generate an atmosphere wherever they travel We've sold a tremendous amount of tickets and, and, you know, great, great credit to everyone involved there with the offers that are on. Um, and a, an August day, sun, sun shining, you know, a, a beer or two before the game. And hopefully, most importantly, three points. So, yeah, it's great to be back. People you haven't seen for three, four months. Um, it's, it's your football family, isn't it? So, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, good point. Yeah, you you see those people that you don't that you don't see all summer, and uh, I understand it's going to be a sellout as well. So uh, it's uh, looking looking great in terms of numbers and atmosphere, and Sunderland bringing down um, all of their fans as well. They're they're certainly a loud crowd. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a, a brilliant ground to travel to Sunderland. Very, very passionate. I think they've sold over 20-odd thousand season tickets, so it shows, <laughs> you know, how excited they are to be back in the, the championship after, what, a, a four-year hiatus. So, yeah, it'd be, a, it'd be a cracking game. Great to see Bailey Wright back as well. Yeah, turned um, 30 last so, week. Did he? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, hopefully he doesn't get a birthday present with a victory. But, uh, yeah, re- really looking forward. Um, and also, you know, we'll, we'll say it as well, you know, an opportunity to pay a tribute to Stony Garnet as well. Um, you know, so hopefully sunshine in three points would be brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got a guest with us before we uh, bring in Richard Gould for the post-match. We've got uh, a man making his hat-trick appearance on Three Peeps in a Podcast. So it's, it? an, it's another key ring going out the door, and it's Mark <laughs> Kelly. How, how are you, Mark? Hey, Patch, how are you doing? Wasn't I one of your first? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yes. I think you were. Yeah, we, you joined us uh, to when we opened the Sports Bar and Grill. Um, That's right. For Christ. a World Cup or a Euros, I think. I'm not sure. 2017, probably 2017. Yeah, no, thank you. Great, great to, to be back on. And uh, and like what Matt said, I think very much looking forward to the occasion tomorrow. We just we just had um, our sort of pre-match meeting with, with our key heads here. And um, everybody's very excited. You, you get this at the start of the season. We've had a busy summer at Ashton Gate. But there, something does feel different. We probably say this every year. Something does feel different this year with City and and the fact that it, it you know, we, it will be a sellout tomorrow, very, very close to a sellout on the first game of the season. Matt, question for you: uh, When was the last time we sold out on an opening game of the season? Oh God, mate! Um, <laughs> I I couldn't tell you. I so, couldn't tell you. Do you know the answer? Is is there an answer? I've got a, I've got a good guess. Have you? Um, we think. I say the royal we. Um, yeah. I just had a, a text from someone as I asked them. Um, it's Stoke City in seventy six. 
Crikey, but, um, is it that that far back? Yeah, that's unconfirmed. So uh, yeah. yeah, don't don't use don't hold me to it. But it's yeah. certainly been a while. Let's just say. Yeah, you, weren't, say you weren't even born then, mate. Absolutely. No. So uh, <laughs> that an, and that would have been my first season. So yeah, it's an educated guess. Yeah. Right, um, Mark. Before we get into uh, match day experience and all that sort of stuff, I, I, on the on the other occasions you've come on, I don't think I've ever asked you uh, your team growing up before you got involved with Bristol City. Did you have a a football team? I did patch and, and I still do and um I grew up in Dublin and you know in the 80s and so early 90s in Dublin your, your choice of two teams it was Manchester United or Liverpool um and I, and I went the red for, of of Man Man United um, I thought it was Man U yeah yeah so yeah it's 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 very much my team um I mean I, alongside Bristol City I, I don't get to go very much really and, but my son I've got an 11 year old son who who loves Man United as well as Bristol City of course and we, we try and go four or five times a year if we can um, to to Old Trafford. So uh, so yeah, red red's in my blood, as, as you say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a good colour to be um, in terms of blood. Uh, how did you cope then with the the Man United home game? Obviously, a massive spectacle. You were more probably sort of concerned about the occasion and the the Ashton Gate event itself. But uh, split loyalties. Do you know? No, and, and I get asked the question a lot. I was. I was delighted Bristol City won. You know, I thought it was a it was a great event, a great occasion, um, and it was something that we we spent you know, weeks weeks planning and and delivering. It, it was brilliant. It split loyalty, I suppose, in terms of yeah the legacy of of supporting your team. But what Bristol City achieved and what it did for the stadium and the fans and that night, you know, I think I saw you when we were waving flags at the front, right? We did yeah. to you. Um, when, Players walked out. It, you know, it was, it was such an atmosphere, and we, we use that here a lot as a focus to return into those big crowds again. And, and tomorrow feels a bit like that. It yeah. feels it's. We were trying to trying to think ourselves this morning. When was the last time we got to this number? Somebody said Man United. I think it was West Brom, um, Feb twenty twenty or, or January 20, 2020. I think they they brought a big number and we had a big number. But I, I'll check it out. But I, I think it's it's. You know, it's been a couple of years at least, obviously had COVID, but it's, it's, been, a, it's been a while since we've had such a crowd uh, at Ashton Gate. Yeah, the other one, I guess, was, I think we had an opener against Leeds as well, Matt, didn't we? Um, and it's they on a Sunday, wasn't it? They would have brought a lot. They would have brought a lot as well. Yeah, I got a feeling that was on a Sunday, yeah. Cool. Okay, um, so let's get to the match day experience then, Mark. Um, can City fans expect any changes to the match day experience? Uh, you know, checks at the perimeter, that sort of thing? No, we've um, we've... We've loosened some of the obviously the COVID restrictions are now gone, which is which is great for everybody. Um, and that's you know this time last year we we're talking about it again this morning. This time last year we did you know, we were looking at checking tests and no look with the usual security um, security process is in place. Obviously the EFL and, and all the clubs are um, are being very open about their clampdown on on pyros and you know we we have to we have to do a bit to that as well. Um, but there should be no difference to to previous years. We, we want fans to come and and feel welcome and, and be welcomed into the stadium. We, we, we don't want to be militant in any way. Now, that's the brief for, for our security team, what's keeping people safe. Um, I think tomorrow, uh, again, the fan zone is, is back in. We've got the live music. We were sort of thinking when we were planning this last month, what can we do to recognise Sunderland coming? As you say, it's four years since Sunderland won the championship. And I said, well, how, how much was a pint back then? And it was 360 for season card holders. Um, so we, we, we've mirrored that. We've, we've, we've put that offer on. Um, as a bit of recognition to to against 
been here four years ago and, and just to try and get that good feeling and encourage a bit of an earlier walk up and get the atmosphere going early. Um, the players absolutely respond to the, that atmosphere. We all know that. You, know, you walk out and, and the crowd is buzzing. You can feel it in the air. So we're really trying to encourage that tomorrow. In terms yeah. of food and beverage, um, we've got a few more vegan outlets. We're, we're, we're trying to you know, modernise some of our food and beverage. The fan zone will have a couple more um, choices rather than just, just some of your, your traditional meat. Um, otherwise, very much the same. You know, we, we've added a few things in, in each of the bars. It's a bit of a journey this season. Um, I, I don't like to do everything for, for day one. I like to sort of change over over a period of time because then by, by sort of November and December, you, the fans get tired of what it is. So I, we've kind of got a year plan, a seasonal plan to, to add, remove and add, remove as, as the season goes on in terms of different products, and different initiatives. Um, but again, this year, something, fe- you know, it, it feels different and, and we're very close with Richard and, and the team at BCFC to really drive fan sentiment. And that, that's, that's great. That's not saying we haven't done that for a number of years, but it's definitely higher up the agenda than it has been. Um, and that's, that's important. And, you know, the, the team are all getting engaged in that. And it's, it's top of our list of, um, of all of our discussions and pre-matches is how do we engage with, with, with the fans? What, what can we do for the kids? Big investment in the, in the, in the children's area. Um, upstairs of the, of the tier we've again a bit of a journey but from tomorrow we, we, we've put in um, play areas we call them play pens which which, which sounds a bit <laughs> play areas because you know if, if you had to get up there last season you'd go up and loads of kids they'd be kicking a, a bottle around playing football with a bottle you know and it just it just just wasn't right so kids want to play football wherever they are so let, let's give them that space and we've created a play area where they kick kick a football Fan sentiment and fan engagement uh, a key priority for us as, as the season goes on. And like I've always said, Patch, I'm also open for feedback and any ideas on, on what people see in other stadia. We, we do our own visits on what we can do differently to um, the fans enjoy it, enjoy the experience. Yeah, that's Fair great. That, that focus on youth. Um, obviously, the return of the Junior Reds uh, was announced yeah. uh, a month or so ago, and we we got two uh, ladies that were pivotal to the success of the Junior Reds on the podcast, Matt, didn't we? And and, and talked it all through, and it was something nostalgic as well. It hit me as a Junior Red growing up, and that focus and that pr- providing that area for them to have a kick about Matt on yeah. in a, in the stadium. Yeah, I mean, talking as you said, talking to Claire and and um, Kate brought back some great memories and we've been fortunate enough to 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 go out to the media um with Jeff and so you you pass what was there for the 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 sort of kids before and it and it did feel as though it it, it perhaps you know again covid plays in but it died off a little bit so really really good to hear that that's that's coming back because that's the lifeblood isn't it? at the end of the day you've got to get yeah. the kids down there for them to to join so i think anything like that and really great mark to hear you say if people have got ideas you know you, you you're keen to hear cuz you know, you, you do spot stuff at other clubs that you think, you know, if we did that, that would be fantastic. So, yeah, that's good to hear. Mark, on the drinks as well, and, and the the reason as well that you, you've given of leading it back yeah. to when Sunderland were in, I think that's a, a great initiative. And I have heard several people say, I'll definitely be going down because because it's cheaper drinks. Yeah. We, we need to get, like, Bury back in the championship or something. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, it would have been a really old one. Yeah, a pound <laughs> Brad- a pint. Bradford North or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, that's fantastic. Good yeah. stuff. Just and also, and you've been involved in this, but in, in hospitality, obviously the former Players Association, Legends Lounge. Uh, looking forward to how that's going to work. Again, really good to see this this coming back. And we've tried over a number of years different initiatives with ex players and and, and taking rounds. So 
to have a formal like this and to give them home on a match day and get them out and about, brilliant. Uh, and again, keep on using the word sentiment. I think it, it, it all adds to it. It all adds to the mix of um, of a great match day experience, recognising the legacy with, with the legends, looking forward to the future with, with the kids' areas. Um, so it's. I think we're in a very, very good place. This is only match day one. You know, we've got a whole season. And- on we've got the ambassadors on duty. So Paul Cheesley, Jansen Derrick, Dave Rogers, Tom Ritchie, Trevor Tainton, Jeff Merrick, Tony Thorpe, and Gary Harris, and also visiting former players. So players that are coming back for the odd game here and there. So we've got Ray Cashley, Mike Gibson, Bobby Williams, Rob Edwards, Brian Drysdale, Jerry Sweeney, and also families of players who are no longer with us Jimmy Rogers and more recently Con Sullivan as well so bringing those players back giving them an experience um, walking some of them around the hospitality doing a bit of Q&A and then doing the pitch parade at 2.45 is um, something as a fan of 30 plus years it's been a real privilege and honour to be involved in and also I always used to get excited about players returning whether they were on the pitch or just being paraded on the pitch, Matt. It was always exciting to see how they would get, uh, the, what sort of reaction they would get. And usually it'd be positive. Yeah, I mean, I think the key thing is it, it's the legends and, you know, we, that's what we want to see. And and Mark makes a brilliant point. It's, you know, it's taking a, not, a, a look back at what where we've been and who we've had, but also with the kids, it's going forward. Um, a huge amount of credit to everybody involved, former players, um it really has a hallmark of Richard Gould as well and, and what Richard Gould is doing. Um, and that's not because I know Richard's on the show afterwards, but, you know, it's been long overdue. Um, and Richard and now Mark and his team, you know, were fully behind it. Um, it, it only makes for a stronger club. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And, and you know, Ray Cashley was the first goalkeeper I ever watched Bristol City um, when I was watching Bristol City play. I'm fortunate enough I got to know him because he used to deliver the Western Supermare Football Club lottery tickets. Um, so would regularly rock, rock up to my door and I would buy buy tickets. So did you see that, his goal? That'd be really good. I wasn't no, I, I think I think that might have been before my time. Right. Um, okay. I think it was early seventies, but um yeah, I mean it's it's brilliant to see Patch and you know, credit to I I know the amount of work that you've done and obviously Neil Palmer and, and Scott Davison, but so many people um, Rose, it's just great to see, you know, and for for Mark and his team to, you know, we've got an area now as well that those the the former players can go to. It's it's just brilliant, and it's what what a football club the size of Bristol City should absolutely have. September nineteen seventy three, Ray Cashley's. Well, there you go. So I was going to say seventy three as well. <laughs> Always stick to your guns. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mark, question for you on the safe standing. Uh, that came in last season. Uh, how did that go? And is there any scope or thoughts to expand it? I don't know, across the back of the safe stand? Um, I think it went very well. Again, um, sometimes no no noise suggests that it, it's working. We, we didn't hear too much after the first couple of games from, from the fans in, in those areas. Um, we're, we're very pleased that we were one of the first clubs in the championship to do it. Um, and you know, a lot of visiting clubs... You know, the other clubs came to visit to see how we did do it. We're looking in that space that the rake allows it to happen. So it, it, it's, it's a perfect location. Um, there's no media plans to extend it um, across the South Stand. I've, I've seen a load of um, queries to why. Um, we, we just really understand what, what fans actually want. Um, and we will over the, sort of over this season sort of do, do some more surveys in, in, in terms of safe standing. If you're, if you're putting in safe standing off the back um, around the back of the south stand, then that will take up a lot of space. 
and we need to make sure we have the appetite of fans that, that wish to do so. Um, and also, we, we are a dual stadium, so we need to make sure that it, it works for, for rugby and concerts as well, or we can look at some sort of temporary solutions. So, we, um, we again, we were one of the advocates for of it. We, we were one of the first clubs to do it. We we're very pleased to do it. It's, it's how we do evolve it going forward. Um, and you know, the regulations are changing very soon, and it'd be interesting to see what other clubs do and, and how that affects us. So, um, it's not off the table by any means, but we, there's no media plans to extend it. Okay. And the other thing we discussed when you came on at the start of last season was the the drinking in the stadium bowl uh, concept, which obviously is governed uh, above our heads, so to speak. Um, Have you heard any more on that? I mean, I've been to a few rugby games last season and I can definitely see the advantages, but also rugby lends itself a bit more to being able to get up and go for a drink because there's more natural breaks in play and I wouldn't want every five minutes someone getting up to walk past me to go and get a yeah. drink. So yeah. it's whether it works for the game or whether it works for the professional bodies. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's two answers in that. I'm, I, I feel very strong. I've been very public on this, that football fans should not be punished for what's happened in the past. It, you know, We're in a different time now, and that, and that goes to the, the approach of the policing and generally the, the whole policing uh, and legislation around football fans nationally. Um, I think if you... If you treat people that way, they respond, and certain type of people respond in a certain type of way. So I think my feeling is that you should be able to have choice. You should be able to have alcohol um, front facing whilst um, whilst watching a game. I don't think it's going to increase any violence. I, don't, I, I just I just can't. I don't see how, because actually by stopping people drinking beforehand, you're encouraging binge drinking. So it's, it's you're actually getting people to knock back their drinks quicker rather than to take it to the bar with them. And that, that has its own after effects. Rugby's an interesting one because some stadiums, I see Principality have now said they're going to do non-alcohol areas. And that, that's not because of any um, issues within that space. It's because people are getting annoyed that people are going to the bar. Fans are going to the bar throughout the game. And if you, you, kind of, you have to stand up and let people through. So that, that's, that's where I suppose the risk from my point of view is that you, you get people going. If, if, if it hasn't been a great first 10 or 15 minutes, people go to the bar. Get a drink, come back, sit, in, and and you know other fans are getting annoyed. But I'd I'd love to be able to see football fans being treated the same as rugby fans in the allowance of being able to have a beer should they choose to, and then as a stadium we can make the decision on drinking areas, non-drinking areas, family areas, etc. It's um, I think we'll get to that. I'm not sure in the next year or two it might come eventually, but I think that the rules are softening. The next generation. Um, don't drink as much, I suppose, as we did in our generation either. So it's it's will it be as much of a of a demand? But um, yeah, I, might, I, I think need, those, um, these laws need to be loosened. You might need a splash zone as well if we allow it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it, it's choice, isn't it? At the end of the day, um, and I agree with what Mark's saying. You know, you, you're always going to get a certain type, um, whatever you do, but um, it's about the choice. So I think I think it will come. Um, especially when you've got it in rugby, so yeah, I think it will come. Um, just, just generally, Mark, in terms of the, the, the sort of summer, how successful were you, or how pleased, how successful were you with with the concerts? Really pleased, Matt. I think um, after the, the break in COVID, to be able to do um, three three big gigs, mm. um, over ninety thousand people coming into to South Bristol. Really pleased. I don't know if you went to yeah. the, the Killers was fantastic. It, it was it was just oh god, it was it was relentless. It, it, the killers obviously we had two different types of artists the killers and elton john are completely different in, in, in pretty different aren't they yeah um but the killers we had the manics um first um yeah so so everyone got here early they they they, they decided to play half an hour early which is you know, their prerogative but yeah got a bit of noise about that so they're meant to start at 7 
they, they rocked on at seven because they wanted to go home over the ridge before the traffic. Um, so uh, they started early, which then meant we had an hour or loo between um, uh, Mannix and the killers. And it was just bonkers. The bars were just heaving. You know, you talk about drinks. I think if you're lucky if you could get one because everybody just went, everybody left the pitch and tried to get, tried to get beer. But it was all in a great atmosphere. Um, we, we, we did 30,000 transactions in an hour. And that, that kind of shows you, you know, that's, there's only 30,000 people here. So that, that kind of shows you um, how, how busy it was. But it was a great atmosphere. We're very proud of, what, of, of the concerts we do. We, we invest heavily in transport. We put the buses on. We pay for the buses. We, we, we lose money on that. But it's important that we, we do this to be a good neighbour to, yeah. to, to South Bristol and, and to Ashton. Um, so, yeah, we're very pleased. Elton John was, was great both nights. Second night was better. Um, yeah, re- re- really pleased. And I'll be announcing soon the first uh, concert, hopefully in September for, for next May. Um, so we're, we're looking to announce that early September. So still, I've, I've got this aspiration that we, if we could do eight, we could. Um, but we have to be, we've got to work with the artists that are touring. So I'd like to do at least three, if not five, if not eight next next season. Um, mm-hmm. And those conversations have already started. But we also we also had the... Uh, DUE graduations for three weeks. Yes, yeah, yeah. Be thirty thousand students in between match day as well, which is bonkers. Um, so thirty thousand students over I think it was fourteen or fifteen days. Um, it was brilliant, great, great to see, and it again brought a different dynamic to the stadium. That hadn't been here before. Stadium is doing what it was designed to do when Steve had the idea of the three six five day venue. A lot of other venues weren't doing this, um, so it's it's really successful in, in what. It, in doing what it was designed to do and, and you know, drive the sustainability of not just the stadium, but also the area. We, we're a big employer. I keep on saying this, you know, we will have 400 staff working tomorrow. Um, average age, 23. It's brilliant. Really proud of that. Load of kids, load of youngsters coming through. We, we recruitment days. I was there yesterday, recruitment day. You know, the average age was 18. And, and you know, we're, we're trying to work with them to, to get them trained as quick as possible. So, yeah, all these aspects, the behind the scenes, is where we're really proud uh, to be able to you know, be be a good customer to suppliers, um, be a good employer, um, and you know, yeah, help out Bristol in, in its economics. With the sporting quarter around the corner, um, the the arena will will drive more jobs being available. Have you got any update on the sporting quarter? What's what needs to happen? What are the key milestones over the coming years to get that? So we're, we're nearly there, really. So it's. Um, We've been working hard with the City Council over the last couple of years, and, and this is very much Martin Griffith's project, Martin, who did the stadium, um, and you know, it's become his top job, more or less, for the last three years. So the next stage is to get to planning committee, um, and we're working hard behind the scenes in terms of different conditions and trying to release some of those conditions and work with the council conditions. So we should hopefully have an update, um, again, early September, in, in where we are with this. Um, obviously, it's linked to um, the, the property development over in, in what we're calling Longmore. Um, so it's a linked application with both North Somerset and Bristol City Council. Um, but we're, you know, we're feeling very comfortable confident about it and, and we hope to still open uh, late 24, early 25, depending on when we can start to break ground. So we, we need we need a sports and convention centre. You know, the, the community needs it. You know, we're talking about netball and other sports that we can bring in and basketball. Flyers definitely need it to, to be able to grow. Um, it's very community driven so we, we promised thousands of hours for the community into the sports and convention centre um, but from a business point of view 
I could fill it next year um, for a number of weeks, big conference and events that can't, Bristol just don't get. They go to Birmingham, they go to Southampton, they go to other cities. They just don't come to Bristol. So Bristol loses out again because they've got no venue mm. uh, that can do four or 5,000 people. So we, we could fill it. I've, I've had the inquiries. Um, we've got to put, keep on pushing them back. And the hotel. You know, we could fill the hotel tomorrow if, if the hotel was open. I'm pretty sure on, on the opening game of the season, that would be full 250 bedrooms. So it's a big requirement, not just for Rash and Gate, but for South Bristol. And, and again, your employment, the supply chain, everything else that that brings. We're building a dedicated fan zone. So the whole match day experience is, is improved. Built-in stage, you know, with an amphitheatre feel to it. It's going to be incredible. Um, just get it built, get it open. Matt, everything's happening off the pitch with with what we've just discussed there, the High Performance Centre, the stadium. We, we've been saying it now for many, many years. It's just getting it right, getting that tune on the pitch, which uh, we will hopefully be on the journey to with Nigel Pearson turning the dial, getting his players in, um, getting players out that aren't on the bus, etc. So the future is only bright, Matt, isn't it? Massively, Patrick. And, and I think... I was trying to think of any clubs that have got our kind of infrastructure, both stadium, training, et cetera, that haven't achieved that end goal. And I can't think of any. I really can't think of any. Um, so the fact you can get that infrastructure in there, we've got that right now and we're still, you know, getting it right and developing it. Nigel Pearson, I think now is starting to stamp his, his authority and his, that's probably the wrong thing to say, starting to get his own players in and what he wants. Um, I said last Saturday, the first 35 minutes was the best football I've seen under a Nigel Pearson side. If we can get that consistency, if we can improve this season, I'm not talking about promotion this season, although we'd all love that. But if we can improve this season and then into next season, do the same again. But you, you get a little bit fed up of hearing players who sign to say everything's in place. Mm-hmm. We've got everything, you know, and you're like, okay, well, then you'd be part of what we need on the pitch to make that happen. And you do, like I said, you, you think over time it has to happen because you can't have the kind of infrastructure we've got and it not happen. Um, and for Steve and, and Maggie's investment and, and John, et cetera, um, you know, you, that, it's what we want to see. So, yeah. Excellent. Mark, thanks so much for, for joining us on the podcast. Um, always great to hear from you and what's going on and get those updates. So uh, big thanks for coming on and uh, try and enjoy yourself tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Just, just one other yeah. thing, very, very quickly, Mark. Is as well. I just want to say thank you to you because you're always visible on a match day, um, and you're always available for fans to stop and talk to you, um, which again is appreciated. I know by fans, so thank you for that as well, and for for you and your team. Oh, thank you, Matt. It's very kind. And look, I, I enjoy it. You know, it's you know, the old cliche of find a job you love and you don't have to work. You know, does you know, Christ, I get, I get to come to to football. Um, every other week and, and watch it and enjoy it as much as well enjoy the roller coaster let's say as much as you guys do so yeah. I'm very passionate about it I'm very passionate about my job and my team are very passionate so, um, so thank yeah. you that's very kind for you to say no, but very, yeah. I feel very privileged to be in the job that I'm in uh, yeah. and I mean that sincerely you know it's, that's that's a sincere response so uh, no my privilege thank you yeah. very well said Matt and a uh, big thank you to you Mark again uh, stay with us we'll be back after a short interlude with post-match reaction on a home win Matt <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's hope so you might have to edit that out but yeah, no, I won't I'll leave it in there let's, let's hope so mate yeah we um yeah we're due one aren't we so yeah absolutely right take care cheers everyone this is a message from the Bristol City former players association 
Throughout last season, we brought a number of ex-players back to Ashton Gate. We were pivotal in delivering celebratory events, including the Ashton Gate 8 40th anniversary, and we also celebrated the stars of the 60s who were paraded on the pitch. This season, we will be commemorating some important moments in the club's history and some very important people who were part of our club. If you would like to assist with sponsorship of any of these events, please get in touch with me via email to events at bcfcformerplayers.co.uk. In addition, we are always on the lookout for any interesting artefacts from the club's history to add to our ever-growing Bristol City archive. Thanks for listening, and my email address again is events at bcfcformerplayers.co.uk. Thank you. Okay, so a big thanks again to Mark Kelly for joining us yesterday, but to the game. A second defeat this season from a winning position on a day that the result took the shine off a fantastic day. A bumper crowd, a great atmosphere, the sun shone for Stoney and Tinners, a Legends Lounge launch and more. So much to discuss on this podcast today. Lee's three words were Sunderland spoil Stoney day. Uh, Matt is with me as always. Matt, where to start? A great occasion, but not very often we have of the fairy tale day we'll start with lee's counting because that's four words but we're like stony day yeah, is created one. stony day is yeah. one okay that's <laughs> typical, typical big Z. um yeah i'm okay thanks patch um i think i said last weekend it, it ruins my rest of my saturday and then my sunday um i did have a, a work upgrade last night so literally from six o'clock till one o'clock i was testing so that did allow me to take my mind off it so <laughs> that was one thing but yeah i mean it fantastic atmosphere um i genuinely can't recall walking in and seeing it as busy as it was um everybody buoyed obviously with it being the first game it was a, a cracking atmosphere all the, the red hats for the, the stony tribute um and a, a little bit like last week really started off really really well played some really lovely football the first half was was fabulous really entertaining from both sides um you know and and then obviously the the second half we we, we saw what we saw so mm. yeah all, all in all a, a brilliant day um and and great to see the stands filled like they were and hopefully despite the result i think with the atmosphere and everything some of those fans who haven't been before or have stayed away will, will come back because you know one one defeat like that um, doesn't define our season, does it? So yeah, I hope that those fans will will come back because because of, of the experience of the day. Absolutely. Bit of admin very quickly. The winner of the Jordan Hall Art Robin print from last week's competition was Claire Geraghty, who's actually undertaken a challenge to cover the distance of all city away trips on an exercise bike to raise money for Cots for Tots. So all the very best with that. And it's well deserved that she wins the prize. So lots of podcast prize giveaways. So make sure you're following us over on Twitter at 3PIAPC. This week's competition is a copy of Richard Latham's book, Bristol City Memories. Simply retweet the post for this episode of the podcast to enter the prize draw. Guest today needs little introduction. It's the CEO of Bristol City, Richard Gould. Richard, I was desperate for this podcast to be off the back of a win, but unfortunately it didn't prove to be the case. No, uh, no, it wasn't the way, was it? Which is a great shame because uh, there were many elements of yesterday that were were, were just a joy to uh, joy to be part of. But unfortunately, as in football, the results don't always go our way. 
No, absolutely. Well, Richard, we always start these podcasts with a check-in off the back of episode 177 on the regular show of Three Peeps in a Podcast with Talk Club. Um, and it's uh, how are you out of 10? So, Matt, if you want to go first. Um, yeah, I've got to be honest to say I'm, I'm probably at a six at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I am probably at a seven. Um, I've had a bit of time to get over the game. I've just finished the editing job on the, the the video of yesterday for the Legends Lounge launch. So that's really picked me up, really gets yeah. me going. and <laughs> Quite emotional, actually, stitching that mm. together. I'm looking forward to sharing that with everybody. So, And obviously getting Richard Gould on the podcast this morning has given us a lift. So uh, seven out of ten at the moment. Richard, how about yourself? I'm going to be like a barometer. I'm going to be six and a half and rising because yeah, uh, nice. the, 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 the sun is shining. Uh, we've got the women here at the High Performance Centre later on today with uh, with uh, one of their last um, friendly games. And uh, and we've got many more games to look forward to. Yeah, no, fantastic. Thanks so much. Right, into the lineup then. Uh, we had a starting lineup of Bentley, Viner, Naismith, Atkinson, Sykes, James initially, but injured in the warm-up, so Masengo came in. Uh, Williams, De Silva, Scott, Vyman and Martin, with Tanner stepping into the subs bench. Um, Matt, it was the same starting lineup initially, wasn't it, as last week, as we predicted? Yeah, yeah, no surprises, was it? Um, because of, really, how well they did play at Hull. It was two moments that, that was the difference last week, wasn't it? So, yeah, no surprise, and then obviously... Um, you, you get the news about Matty um, having, I think Nigel said afterwards, a, a bit of a calf problem. Um, and so, yeah, Han, Han Noah comes in. Um, and, yeah, you know, the, the only call may have been with, with um, Sykes in, and Wilson, but he was so good last week that, mm. you know, I, I, I think that keep, keeping the same side was absolutely the right call. Yeah. Richard, Nigel's been very much of a, of a yeah, they play well, they keep the jersey type thing, haven't they? Yeah, very much so. I think uh, Nigel is uh, is a very clear thinker and he's also very objective. And um, those people that are performing the best keep hold of the jersey. And um, and I think that's really important, you know, because sometimes, you know, sometimes it's easy to lose objectivity and clarity. You've always got to go with, your, you know, what is definably your best team at that time. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Right, we're going to get into the minutes now. And Matt... <laughs> One minute gone, an awful tackle on Han Noah Masengo. He got absolutely clattered, and that could have easily been a red card for me. It could have. I mean, I've not seen the replay, but certainly at the time, it looked to be high, looked to be sort of shin, shin pad area. Um, our, our friend Mr. Stroud gave the, the yellow card in the end. I, I wasn't sure if he was going to give anything to start with. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and I've, subsequent, I've seen a, a challenge in the Wigan-Norwich game um, which went unpunished from a, a penalty point of view, which was dreadful, could have been a, a real leg breaker. And that's what you worry about. That's where you want the consistency, is where they're dangerous over the top, like like it looked. And as I say, I haven't seen it back, but certainly from, from where I was in the South Stand, it looked a nasty challenge. Yeah, and, and Richard, it was a sense of irony that he'd literally just come into the team from Atty James and he could have quite easily been straight off again. Yeah, he could have been. And I think when you see a challenge like that so early on, uh, it's clearly premeditated. An uh, old school reducer. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going back to 1988, final Vinnie Jones on Steve McMahon. Oh, uh, yeah. And, um, you know, those... And, 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 I, and I agree, I, at one point I didn't think the, the referee was going to reach for, for, for any card, but it could easily have been, been a red, I think, that early on. And, and the degree of premeditation that probably goes into if not wanting to do damage, wanting to send a message. 
You must have been there for that cup final, I, I assume, with your uh, dad as manager. Yes, I was for that one. Yes. <laughs> what a game. Good okay, in, into the fourth minute, and it's Sunderland going 1 0 up. Bentley plays the ball to Naismith, who tries to take the ball forward, is tackled, and it's the Everton Loney Sims, who was a big, powerful presence for, the, for Sunderland, punishes the mistake with a fantastic strike. And that was a real Premier League uh, punishment, Matt, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, it- it's the way we want to play, so you, you have to accept the fact that there are times when when things like that happen. I mean, you know, I, where I sort of sit, there's plenty of people giving it launch it and just send it up the field in, and we're, we're trying to play different. And we saw last week with with Carnell Naismith just how adept is it doing that. Mm. He got caught, you know. He he was the first to hold his hand up. Um, Dan Bentley had made an angle for him as well to receive it back if there was a problem, and then as a result of it. Dan kind of had to race back to the the middle of the goal, yeah. possibly didn't have his feet set for the shot, but but showed really the the, the Premier League quality that yeah. that Sims brings, didn't he? It shows to me as well, Matt. Where you know Naismith comes it comes in, he's really impressed us. It shows he's yeah. human. But what I really like Richard is that Naismith was so quick to go and get the ball and keen to get on with the game and try and write that. Yeah, you can see, you know, is the the acceptance of, of of what went on, and 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 as you as you said, he's he's a very uh, determined guy, great character, and um, he knows instantly there's there's no there's you know there's 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 no hiding on 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 something like that, and indeed from from a, it was it was still a very good finish. It was I think he still struck it outside the uh, outside the box when he hit it. Um, it was still quite a lot to do at that point. No, fantastic. Well, not fantastic for us, but it was a fantastic strike. Um, into the sixth minute, Vyman carries the ball down the right-hand side, crosses in, finds Jada Silva on the left, and it was great vision to pick out Williams just on the edge, Matt, and his shot was saved, but straight back into the game. Yeah, and, and showed the determination. It was a, a good flowing move, um, a good strike from Joe Williams. Um, yeah, the keeper, it wasn't the most difficult save, but it was... It's what we want to see Joe Williams doing more of. We know that he's got that in his locker. Um, but again, showed a, a really good passage of play. You know, we got the ball down, we were passing it, moving it quickly. Um, so it was, a, it was a bright start again, despite going behind as quickly as we did. Yeah, into the ninth minute and we are level. Um, not sure, Matt, who played the ball into Viner. I don't know if you can help me with that. but um... I want to say Masengo. Okay, we'll go with yeah, that. Masengo. Plays the ball into Viner. Viner feeds Viman, who takes a touch and finishes emphatically to score the equalising goal. Viman scoring on his 150th appearance. What a player he's been for us, Matt, over the last few years. Just outstanding. Um, and I think I, I said it the one of our sort of pre-season reviews that I think the confidence that Andy's got on the back of last season, you can see... Um, and yesterday he was everywhere. I mean, he was making challenges in his own box, but you know that that finish just sums up where he is now in, in his game. Um, I believe he goes out on the pitch every game now and think expects to score. He, he just looks like he's got that about him. And again, it was a really good move. And you know, we talk about a player, and we'll, we'll talk about him a, a bit later on as well. Who's who's had a bit of a tough time in Zach Viner, but mm. what a ball that was into Andy Viman, a really good pass. Um, I actually I've looked back at it three or four times to see if I can see whether it was offside or not because he was he was right on the shoulder, yeah. um, and it was a, like you said an emphatic finish, really really good finish. Richard, obviously you know Andy better than us. Uh, he's come back from a terrible injury a couple of seasons ago. 
has had the season of his life and there's some people in some quarters saying he can't possibly do it again this season but it's a good start i, th- I think he can you know he's uh, he's being allowed to play to his absolute strengths um and he's got the fitness and ability to pop up all over the pitch uh, he's incredible there's um uh, in the concourse area, we've got a, a list of top goal scorers of the club, uh, which I think starts at 50 goals is the is the qualifying amount. Well, it, it won't be too long before hopefully Mr. Byman is up on that. I don't know exactly how many goals he's got for so far, but it won't be long at this rate. Absolutely. No, no, he won't. Um, okay, into the 11th minute, it's Jay De Silva in on goal. Uh, a great ball thread through, but the shot is dragged wide. Um, but City coming more and more into the game. 15th minute, Viner and Vyman getting joy uh, down the right-hand side again. Vyman neat 1-2, but just can't get the ball hooked in. Do you remember that one, Matt? It was a lovely 1-2, and he tried to get to the byline and hook it back across, but yeah, just couldn't get just enough on it. Could, couldn't get enough on it, could he? But again, a really good move. Again, involving Viner on that right-hand side. So it, it was... Despite that early goal when, you, when we got the equaliser, but it was an impressive start again, and it, it was a little bit like a basketball match. It was both <laughs> sides kind of going for it, and maybe with Sunderland back in the Championship for for the first time in four years, um, you know they they wanted to go for it. But it was it was a really entertaining game. Yeah, certainly whips the crowd up when it's end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, 28th minute, Scott carries the ball forward and Sykes crosses cut out, but after some threats from Sunderland, City looking dangerous on the break, just need to get the ball in the danger area. 31st minute, it's Alex Scott dancing through the middle, feeds it to Martin, who takes a touch and the shot just doesn't have enough pace. I think it takes a little bit of a a deflection off a defender. Um, and then Sunderland break, and it's a well-timed tackle from Viner. But uh, Richard, great to see Alex Scott firing and doing what he can do best, dancing the ball into the box. Um, and you know, maybe he could have shot, but he saw Martin in a better place. Yeah, he's just a joy to watch, isn't it? That's you know, that's what people want to see. And um, he, it's I think we used the term liquid football for a little bit last last year for for, for one of the goals, um, and that was. That was similar. He just he used the term dance. He does. He just dance. Just dance through defenders like that. Yeah. And it's you know Sunderland. Okay, they've um, only recently come into the championship, but um, I think they're unbeaten since February of last year. Mm. So they're a very good, very Momentum. well. Yeah, Momentum confident. carries them through, doesn't it, Matt? And uh, when they come up, same happened to us when we went up from League One into the championship. Exactly, and and they're roared on by an, an unbelievable support as well, which makes a difference. Um, that that passage of play, um, Martin didn't sort of properly connect with it, but the def- it's going in, and the defender has to cover back round and clear yeah. it off the line. So it was, you know, it was one of those that a little bit more pace. I think I think Alex Scott made the right choice having looked back to to pass the ball, but uh, yeah, it's a li- little bit unlucky. Other days that goes in. Just after that, Matt, there was a shot from distance, and Dan Bentley makes the first of two magnificent saves yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so important for us, and what a save! Yeah, huge, huge, and um, you know, obviously, there's there's been talk of, of Dan because he's out of contract um, next year, and you know, media reports, club sniffing, but it shows the the importance he is to us. Um, that was at our end, obviously, in the south stand, and it was a hell of a hit mm. through loads of bodies, and and he just does that. He always kind of shovels it away, but gets so much <laughs> distance on it. Um, well, you've yeah, picked up on sure it before, haven't you? The yeah. importance of the save and the importance of where the ball there goes thereafter. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, it's it, it's that that thing that you can't push it straight back out. 
Um, and Dan always seems to manage to push it away from goal and, and then reset. But, you know, it's a really, really well-struck shot through crowds of players, like I said. So for him to get that sort of position was, was yeah, an excellent save. Okay, the halftime summary from Rob, as always. Uh, really entertaining half, both sides carrying a threat throughout. Alex Scott has been back to his best today, regularly tucking into his smorgasbord of skills with one superlative pass through to Jada Silva, who in all honesty should have at least hit the target. Fantastic team move on our goal, but a sloppy goal to concede. I like Naismith's ball skills, but his habit of taking a player on at the back rather than passing is too much of a risky option for me, and we've paid the price. Need to wrestle back the initiative for the second half, but believe we can do it. So, uh, Matt's, Rob's basically saying there, we're still in the game and we expect to go on and win. Yeah, smorgasbord. You don't get that very often in a football uh, <laughs> a football comment. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and for Rob to be talking about it being an excellent first half says something about the game as well. Yeah. Um, and that's no disrespect to Rob. Um, I don't agree about the risk. That's the way we want to play. And, and Naismith is quality on the ball. So, you know, the, the best in the world, your Messi's, your Ronaldo's, lose yeah. the ball. On, it is it is going to happen. Virgil van Dijk, the best centre-half in the Premier League, loses the ball. Um, if you want to play like that, you commit to playing like it. And yes, throughout a season, you will get two, three you know, situations exactly. where you get tackled. But for me, keep doing it, boys. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Into the 50th minute and we go 2-1 up. It's Vyman playing a neat 1-2 with Williams. Then Vyman puts the ball into the danger area and Martin applies enough pressure to force an own goal. Are we saying own goal? I don't know what officially it's been given as, but it, it looks like an own goal from our from our end. Yeah, it really yeah. did. Richard, what was your view on that? Yeah, uh... I've been looking at the replays. Um, I, I think he got, I think he was the last man to touch it. And so I'm going to give it to Chris Martin, but that's only because he's, he's a very big guy and uh, and I'm only still on the right side of him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's clearly claiming that one and I think anyone um, in his position would. But uh, it was great to, to go 2-1 up, uh, Richard, and we were in the ascendancy. Yeah, we were. We just needed to, we wanted to be able to consolidate at that point. And, uh, you know, that was, that was, that was that was the priority because uh, you know to go from one 0 down to two one up you know that's that's when we uh, that's when we would hope to then yeah try and keep those keep those points in uh, in in our bag absolutely okay into the fifty second minute so it's literally um, a couple of minutes later Sunderland equalise it Sims again he takes on Viner uh, cuts inside and finishes well Matt for uh, for the equaliser. Showed, showed his class. It was a good move. I think Pritchard um, played the ball through. Um, Who was a menace. Just, just a, a quality player. Um, it, it reminds me all the world of Barry Bannon and the, the influence that Barry Bannon has on Sheffield Wednesday. Pritchard was the same yesterday. And for the time that he was then on the pitch, he ran the show. Everything kind of went through him. Um, look, Zach Viner will know he made a mistake. It wasn't great defending. Um and I've seen a, a, a fair few posts about Zach and the defender from yesterday, but it was it was one mistake really. There was a poor pass afterwards. I think probably more for confidence. But he'd had a good game up until then. Um, it's it's potentially a concentration thing, but but you know fundamentally you're talking about a Premier League player. Mm. Yes, he should have shown him outside, as, you know, and, and not allowed him to come in. He probably overcommitted in his run to try and challenge back. That meant again his sort of body shape allowed Sims to come in. 
Um, good strike, Dan, Dan, for everything I've said about Dan Bentley just now, he will be disappointed with that because it goes kind of right through him. Um, it was hit with pace, but but summed up again the, the the Premier League quality that 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 Sims has. You know, he's he was a real handful. Not only a big, powerful lad, but he was very mobile as well. Um, so he gave. He's not. I don't think the likes of of Naismith, um, Atkinson, and Viner will come up against too many centre forwards that give them the kind of treatment that he gave yesterday. But it was a poor goal to concede. There's no, you know, you can't argue that case. Mm. Okay, fifty fifth minute. Sykes goes down in a heap. And for all the world, you think he's going to be coming off. Uh, he actually gets booked for his troubles for as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, a worrying minute there, Richard, for Sykes. Yeah, it was. I certainly thought, looks if he was in trouble, he was um, He was signalling to the bench very early on. Yeah. Um, uh, Kane Wilson was, uh, was getting ready to come on. Um, I, I think it was a foul, but I don't know if there was, uh, you know, I, he, 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 he clearly got some kind of a late start because um, Sykes is a, is a very tough guy. And uh, if, if he's on the floor, there's, there's, no, there's no play acting going on there. Okay. He does come off a couple of minutes later after coming you know, back on. Uh, Wilson comes on. Uh, at the same time, Viner off and closer on. So, Matt, pretty much like for like in terms of formation did you see that yeah yeah um i think again tim tim coming on because of the presence that sims was was given and, and obviously um sykes because of the the, the injury mm. that he got on the back of a similar sort of injury last weekend so it show, shows the commitment that he's got and i think nigel said about it when he signed that it's the character of the man as well and and he puts himself about you know i, I he's a player that you know, I'll openly say the first preseason game, Patch. I said to you, I wasn't sure. Mm. From that point on, he's just impressed me every time. Um, you know, so yeah, good, good to see him. Good to see him, sort of on his feet, wanting to try and keep going, um, yeah. but not able to. But yeah, I think it was the same formation, and great to see Kane Wilson get an out in it at Ashton Gate. Well, uh, Richard, 66 minute, I've got Sunderland smell blood here and are dominating. And Wilson was in the thick of, of two attacks, really. We, want to, we wanted to see him on flying down the wing, but he was called into defensive duty quite quickly. Yeah, he was. Um, and, um, you know, I think there was, war, there was one particular one where he coped with it really well uh, because it can't have been easy to, to come through to that. We made reference about Premier League quality a few minutes ago. Um, I'm trying to get my head around that. But having just watched the, uh, having just watched Bournemouth highlights yeah. yesterday, yeah. And, and and with us looking comfortable against Bournemouth a couple of weeks ago, we'll be at a pre-season friendly. You know, I think I think we've got a lot of quality. Uh, it, it kind of shows the depth of quality that you've got in the Championship too. But it's just mm. just makes it a fascinating, fascinating, sometimes frustrating league. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, anyone can beat anyone in the championship. That's what that's what we love about it. Obviously, we do want to be in the Premier League, but uh, the championship is fascinating. Uh, okay, into the seventieth minute, it's a Naismith corner. Atkinson again involved in a wrestling match, but gets his head on it, Matt. But no penalty. I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, you know, his shirt is pulled all around his body, um, and. <sighs> Keith, Keith Stroud's Keith Stroud. I don't think he was, you know, any worse or better than I saw yesterday. But there's this edict for, for referees to allow the game to flow more. And I think they're missing certain things by trying to do that. Um, and that was case in point. I mean, it, it's my only thing. And again, I, you know, I'll, I'll say what I've said before. If you've got someone in the middle of the pitch as captain, 
I would expect the captain to be in the ref's ear. And, that, and, and actually, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to be a captain, but your leaders, I'd want someone in his ear saying, you know, are you watching that? Because it, it's clear. If that's VAR, that's a penalty without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and that's two weeks running now where, where Rob Atkinson's been practically assaulted and come away with nothing. And, and I don't get it. I don't know what they're looking at. Um, the, the assistant referee on our side... Um, was dreadful yesterday. He missed the ball being out behind him at one point and didn't see it. Didn't seem to want um, to make a decision either no, on a few corners. <laughs> no, there was a challenge on, I think it might have been Kane Wilson, or maybe even... Well, there was one where Andy Vyman got pushed in the back and he didn't give it and it's right in front of him. And then there was another one that he let go in and Mr Stroud gave it. But yeah, that, that one patch was ridiculous. It was a clear penalty, clear penalty. Richard, we spoke last week on the podcast with Gary Hours, and he said about you know the referees' meetings that clubs have before the start of the season. Were you sort of party to that? Is it, or are they saying they let letting more go? Or no, I wasn't in that meeting, but it was it was widely reported. But um, I think someone like Rob Atkinson, uh, as a, yeah, I agree. That, you know, the last couple of games, he's been he has been impeded. Mm. Um, I, I I don't know whether you know, and he's a very Big guy, so he takes exactly. some stop. So if you know if, if he's been prevented from getting to the ball, um, <laughs> it's uh, it's not the wind resistance that's doing that. <laughs> Into the seventy-first minute, it's Alex Pritchard causing problems down the left. A pinpoint cross and a header from Stewart, who gets above Naismith and makes it three-two. Matt, and that was a real kick in the teeth. Yeah, a real kick in the teeth. I mean, Pritchard again, quality on the ball, put a ball into to Stewart. Um, and I know he's got a nickname because I heard it on a Black Cats pod- podcast. Well, I thought they said Rod Stewart when they announced the Did they? Yeah, No, it's not. No, it's Ross. Yeah. Um, but scores goals. He's a bit of an, un- an ungainly looking character, but um, scores goals. And again, Naismith will be disappointed. He's He's got above him. It's a header in the centre of the goal. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, da- again, Dan Bentley will be disappointed because of where it goes in. But it was... It was a, a point where they did only then look like one winner, didn't they? And so di- disappointing um, to concede in that manner again. Poor, poor goal to concede. Yeah. Seventy third minute it was a great ball in. Wilson squares and doesn't shoot, and then Atkinson shot is blocked. Do you remember that Wilson I, cut in on I, the right hand yeah, side? Yeah, I thought and all I, the world he was going to shoot. It, again, right in front of us, and and it's it's probably a conversation that Nigel Pearson needs to have with Kane Wilson because he did it last week as well is that you've got the ability uh, I know you were the assist king last year but um, he's in there and from where it was alright I can't see from his angle where the keeper is and what's on the line to know whether he feels he's got a shot but for all the life of me I, I genuinely thought it it you got to shoot from there yeah into the 75th 76th minute Stony Garnet um and Tinner's both got a great round of applause Matt um you had your hat on I could see it from where I was sat on the I other did. side yeah I did and uh yeah it was lovely to see some hats sort of thrown onto the pitch as well just as a corner was being taken I thought sort of thought saw one land in the corner but uh yeah we we've spoken about Stony last week we but have, uh, yeah. well well received round of applause it was, and, and, and nice to see the, the messages up on the boards as well beforehand. Um, and and Danzi at halftime making reference to a, another couple of fans as well. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're a family club and, and there are there are fans that do, you know, Stoney was probably the most recognisable, wasn't he? So to have that kind of tribute, yeah, was, was you know, it's very sad, but nice to see it observed like it was. Yeah, absolutely. 
76 minutes, birthday boy Conway on for Masengo, and he's clattered straight away. Uh, it, was a, it was a welcome to the game, Matt, wasn't it? I was a little bit worried about it because it, it looked to be sort of back and shoulder and, and, and Tommy Conway's not that sort of player. I mean, he, he's, he's desperate to do well for Bristol City. We've been fortunate enough to have him on the podcast and, and meet him a few times. I, I just think he is an absolute quality human being, let alone footballer. Hmm. Um, and when I saw him go down like that, he's just not someone to stay down. And I, I was thinking, oh, geez, on his birthday, hmm. when the lad, all he wants to do is probably, you know, that his birthday present was three points in the goal would have been. Um, but thankfully, he was able to get up and, and see the game out. So, but yeah, it was, again, another challenge where you think, surely there's more in that. I don't even think he got a free kick for it. No. No, not at all. Uh, and a couple of corners. One, uh, both from Alex Scott. The first one was a poor delivery, and the second one was much better. Uh, 81st minute, two bites of the cherry for Naismith, and the shot goes over. So, uh, Richard, Naismith, cracking defender, uh, also very good going forward. We see we saw lovely through balls last week, um, and a great shot as well there. He's so flexible, isn't he? Because he's he's come to the centre back position quite late in his career, mm. um, and uh, and therefore has so much to offer. Um, he's um, he he provides so much to our squad, both in terms of his his ability to play, but also his character and his strength of character, and his leadership. And um, I think he'll be a, a mainstay of the club for a long time to come. That impressed me, Richard, in the pre-season games. You could that's you could only hear Carl Nelsmith. He was non-stop, and there was one point where. Tim Closer, had, had, I think, put the ball out or something, and, and Naismith absolutely let him know what he thought. And you're thinking, if you're doing that to an international player, you've got something about you, and just just exactly what we need in terms of leadership and character. You do, but 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 you also then know that when when mistakes are made, it's it's gonna it's gonna cut all the deeper with him as well. Of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a really good that. point. And he was clearly trying to write that map with that shot, uh, which just went over. Yeah, yeah. Um, 83rd minute, Williams dances into the box this time, uh, squares and Martin steers it wide from close range and I've just got written he won't want to see that again um, but again it, it happens It happens to strikers across the world they don't always go in No of course not, I mean, and he will be disappointed he knows he, know he should have hit the target great play from Joe Williams to be fair um, did really really well to, to get in and, and pull the ball back like he did but yeah Chris, Chris will be disappointed, of course he will yeah, Jada Silva comes off, Wells comes on, it's three minutes plus I think five minutes injury time we had, so eight minutes for Wells to just try and get on the end of something. Was it just a case, Matt, formation-wise of, of Wells just going up top and make, making a menace of himself? Yeah, I think I think we, we did change shape. Um, Carl came out to the, the left-hand side, so I think we went to a four, but yeah, you, you know, Naki's a goal scorer, isn't he? So you, you're hoping that with with Naki on there as well as, as Tommy, that something will break and we'd get the goal. Um, obviously, it just didn't pan out like that. Yeah, okay. Into the 90th minute, Naismith free kick in the, in the corner, goes near post when uh, we should be trying to hit the box, but the, the resulting corner, the ball does go into the box, but um, it's cut out and injury time passes. And it, it's a as much as everyone was up for it, it's, a, it's the result that counts at the end of the day. It's a 3-2 defeat. Um, but, yeah, Richard, in terms of the occasion, it's everything but the result, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, uh, that's that's how, ultimately, we, we judge the success of the team. And 
I'm just so disappointed for the supporters that they weren't able to celebrate the victory as as, as we left. Um, I'm very proud of the club to get that number of people in Ashton Gate for the, I think it was what the biggest crowd for an opening home game since 1976, 1977. Mm. Um, yeah, it was, uh, we're, it was really very grateful for our season ticket holders because they were of enormous help in that with the, with, with the mates rate discount and, uh, you know, season ticket holders bringing along friends and family, and uh, and hopefully that will allow the club to continue to grow. In, in many ways, you know, support, support, uh, supporters are, are the most patient of all uh, of all people because we wait for, for for many years to get the success that we want, but also we have to suffer these these frustrations when when they, when they go on from match to match. But um, no, we're just very grateful for the support that we've got. And uh, we never take it for granted, and um, uh, we look forward to uh, to some 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 victories as quickly as we can, really. And you know, we've got a game due to be at Coventry midweek. Clearly, there's some speculation. Well, yeah, is that mm. is that in doubt? Do we know? Obviously, the game's off today. When yeah, we... the, the Rotherham game has been cancelled. I've uh, been been looking at the comments that have come from both Coventry City and Wasps. Um, I think the pitch was supposed to be renovated during the summer, and it wasn't. Uh, Mark Robbins has, uh, has has made some damning comments about how the pitch is dangerous, and therefore, if it was dangerous, too dangerous to play on a Sunday, I'd be interested to see how that they can, you know, how uh, how Wasp, who who got ultimate authority for the for the pitch because they bought the bought the venue from Coventry City Council some years ago, how they can bring that back into play by Wednesday. So we're we're we're, we're in dialogue with uh, Dave Body, the uh, Coventry City Chief Exec. We have been since Saturday morning just to try and. Um, come up with some resolution and hopefully we, the, the game will go ahead as planned if not then we'll, we'll let fans know as quickly as we can in terms of uh, what other arrangements will be made and you know, clearly if it's cancelled then we'll make sure there are refunds and stuff but hopefully that won't be the case Yeah, absolutely Yeah, looking forward to that midweek trip away um, So Matt we're going to come to our ratings a bit later on um, yeah. but obviously whilst we've got you Richard just a few sort of general questions really obviously you're 14-15 months into the job how are you feeling about the first sort of full year you know, are you enjoying the challenge yeah I really enjoy it um, it's, it's, a, it's a privilege uh, when you uh, when you get to do a job that I've got it's a, it, it's um, there's, there's, there's a lot of ups there are a lot of downs sometimes uh, and we want to we want to get more ups as we go on um, the uh, being part of being part of the club is 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 great fun you know uh, I, I love what, uh, what what you and Scott and Rose have been doing the former Neil with the former players association I think that adds great depth to what we do um, it's it's you see the, the the level of passion and support within the city and, and indeed beyond the city because um, uh, our, our, our reach is, is, is very significant when you look at the heat maps around the southwest. Uh, we really have, as a club, um, a, a big impact on people and we, we just want to make sure that when people wake up on a Sunday morning, it's with a smile on their face, remembering the, 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 the three points that we put in the bag the day before. But that's that's not always the case. Yeah. Well, from from our perspective, Richard, you know, you've you've certainly opened the door. Uh, the first the first event, the Ashton Gate eight forty years, was a massive team effort across the supporters club, across the former players association, and many members of Bristol City Football Club. And yeah, that was just a joy to be involved in. And I guess yeah. I guess thank you for asking us to to get involved. Uh, well, but it, it, 
you know, clubs, supporters are, we only have to look at the, the travails that have gone at Derby County over the last year or so. Um, and, and even Sunderland, who, you know, we've probably all been watching, uh, all watched the, uh, the Netflix documentary and you see, you see the pressures that are at play in play within a club, whether it's the finances, the desires of the supporters, um, um, the pressures of the players, transfer market, and all the rest of it. They're, you know, it's 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 uh, it's a fascinating sport to be to be part of, but but the essence of it, um, and indeed, I think all sports in this country comes down to the to the club and the supporters. Yeah, fantastic. Um, financial fair play has been something that uh, I, for one, can't get my head around. Is there? Is there still a risk of points deduction? When when do we think we'll know any more on that? Um, there is a degree of uncertainty on that. Um, we don't know quite what the last position or what the final position will be. Um, but um, UEFA have issued new rules and regulations now. And uh, they, I think, will be converted to something that, that works through with the championship. And, uh, and the rest of the Football League. Uh, alongside that, there are discussions going on within the Premier League about redistribution of, of finances, particularly with regards to parachute payments and also um, what, what goes down into the, uh, into the Football League. So there's, there's a lot in the mix at the moment. And um, I, I suspect that uh, that will solidify over the next six to nine months and perhaps provide the... Uh, the bench work going forward. And um, the UEFA priority seems to be on a, a percentage of turnover uh, model. Uh, and, and uh, you know, having having gone through COVID, this, this club and indeed many other clubs have suffered significantly, and uh, not just uh, the, 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 the loss of income from supporters, but also the, the crash of the transfer market, effectively. And a lot of clubs in the championship uh, relied on, um, on 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 an active transfer market, and that that's the thing that has that, that has damaged us mostly. And and the football league are aware of that and accept that uh, the transfer market has had a significant impact on clubs. And um, so, I, I I I'm expecting a reset over the next six to nine months, but we haven't heard anything officially. Yeah, I met Matt from from a fan's perspective. You know, COVID. No one in the world predicted it, and obviously, you can't legislate for that in your sort of five year plan. No, of course you can. I mean, it was it was completely unprecedented, wasn't it? And and I think, like Richard said, the the transfer market, the floor just fell out of it, um, and you're seeing that now. Um, I think you've also got the thing with the additional subs now. Clubs will hold on to players because they've got you know need of bigger squads. The, the big one for me is the parachute payments and it's it's not coming from a fan whose side's never been in the Premier League. I just think it's a completely unfair playing field um, that, that clubs that get relegated have still got those finances. Um, you know, you, you're not starting off on a level playing field for me. So that that's an area that I really think they, they have to look at and, you know, if they are going to look at how they distribute that, then, then great. But uh, yeah, it's... I... I Unbiased, um, but I think obviously we've we've got a, an unbelievable owner. Um, I will mm. say it without embarrassing, but an unbelievable CEO, and and we're not a club that would do things the wrong way. So I think if we're, um, you know, in in any dangerous stuff, then then the league need to look at it because we're just not a club that would go out and recklessly do stuff. So uh, yeah, there definitely needs to be changes there. 
In terms of the transfer window, Richard, it was uh, it was refreshing to get so much business done very early and one transfer that caught even the press by surprise in Cal Naismith. So, so Matt, as a, as a fan of, we've said it before, haven't we? We we've always we've always bemoaned when it's been left to the last, almost even after the first game, sometimes. Yeah, I, mean, I think again from from our recent history, we know the success we had under Steve Cottrell with with getting the players in that we did early, and and it it felt a similar sort of tactic in terms of the the quality that we got from the leagues that we got them from as well. Um, but yeah, we love to see it, and and I'll, I'll also call out again as we did at the time, but the the media team in particular with the, the <laughs> Naismith and um, with Wilson. Kane Wilson's yeah transfers were, were brilliant and. And, and again, I'm biased, but I think we've led the way there. I think so many clubs have taken our lead with what we did and what we've done with the gifts and stuff. But yeah, you're right. It was important to get the transfer business done. And hopefully, and, and um, I'm not going to put Richard on the spot, but hopefully there's there's more to come with it um, because the window's still open. And, and yeah, hopefully we can get a few more deals done either, you know, going out and coming in. Richard, is that something you enjoy uh, as a CEO? those transfer deals or is it a I suppose it's a mixed bag no I do enjoy them and uh, it's very much a team effort here you know um, we've got a very strong recruitment team uh, but Nigel and the coaches are also very closely involved so it's something that is done across and within the club because we want to make sure that we do proper due diligence on on all of the options um, so no I, I, I do enjoy it we Clearly, we're, we're, we're going through something of a financial restructure in order to, in order to get our cost base down. And, uh, and that's going to take probably another nine to ten months to play out fully. Um, and whilst we'd always like to be able to add uh, another player or another two players at, at any particular time, you always want to be able to do that. We do have to be mindful. We have got amazing ownership. Uh, that are so supportive, not just of the football club, but of the city. And you see the facilities that we've got down at Ashton Gate. And you see the comfort and the quality of output that Ashton Gate provided yesterday for 25,000 people. You know, you, you, we all travel around the country and we go to we go to another a number of other venues that are just, you know, just simply not, not, not a scratch on what we've got at City. Um, they're important. But there is a degree of restructuring, and um, and we've got to be mindful of, of, uh, of, of making sure that we can help to. I wouldn't say balance the books, but add some additional balance to them. You know, because with the ownership um, uh, and and our ambitions, uh, we're always going to require a degree of investment. And uh, I think that's well known, well understood. But we also need to try and make sure that we can. Um, that, that, that you know we can deliver on that. So I you know I can't I can't sit here and promise to say that um, there are uh, a whole um, a whole host of new additions that are going to happen between now and the first September. Um, we uh, you know we have got some interest in some of our players, some of which um, uh, it may be timely for them to move on. Uh, for others that we want to protect, you know, and you know still still have. Um, some of our key assets in the building at the end of this window would also be a positive. But um, it's, it's a balancing act. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Matt touched on the, uh, the, the the communications and the media around the transfers. H- how important is it for the club, Bristol City, to have that culture, the, 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 
the information that people and fans see on Twitter. Uh, it's the front-facing element of Bristol City, isn't it? It's really important, and, uh, and our chairman, John Lansdowne, is really, really strong on this. Um, um, we want to, you know, we want people to be able to engage with the club, and we want the people to be proud of the club, and um, a, a lot of resource goes into that. If you were to strip sport back, it's effectively a content. Uh, it's, you know, that's what we deliver. We deliver content, but we don't want to just do it for ninety minutes on the park every Saturday or Wednesday because people, you know, such as podcasts, such as this, or whether it's uh, whether it's uh, engaging content online, it's important. You know, that's what we. That's it makes it that it's it's part of our lives rather than yeah. just something that we do every now and then. And uh, I think the quality of output that we've got is really strong. And uh, and we lead the way in that. Um, and we've got um, effectively an in-house agency called Fever Pitch that John has created, which which um, um, reinforces the good work of Dave Barton and his team uh, on the sort of the, the the drumbeat heartbeat comms. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing those releases as much as anybody. Yeah, the 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 contract um, renewals of Tommy Conway and Sam Bell, for example, that. That the quality of those videos was fantastic, Matt, wasn't it? Lovely to see, wasn't it? I mean, the the, the Tommy Conway one, seeing him, him up at the training ground and, and sort of reminiscing in the photos from him as a youngster. Yeah, it was brilliant. And and again, gives you that that feeling of it's it's our club. You know, it's 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 what you want to see in it. You that nothing nothing is better. And, and it's it's a long ambition of mine and whether we ever get there and whether it's even possible in, in this day and age but to see a, a team that's filled with local lads academy players is you know it's, it's exactly what you want to see everybody loves a homegrown player coming through don't they so uh, yeah it's quality quality uh, just Richard just on one thing around loans um, obviously yesterday we saw Sims uh, for Sunderland firing on all cylinders causing problems is what well, Nigel said over his tenure so far that loans are something that he doesn't look at. Is that a steadfast no or no? no that I think that that related to his his position last year, whilst he was still shaping the squad, uh, and he's gone on record in the last um, months or so, so that he very definitely would look at loans, and and we do look at loan options. Um, but we also have to look at the, the value of them, um, the cost of them, um, and also the clubs. We know when 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 players are looking to go out on loan and clubs are looking to place them, they want to know that they're going to get games. That's what they're after. You know, this is uh, they want to put games into their players in order to uh, in order to put value on them, and. Um, you know, bringing a centre forward on loan would be interesting, but are they going to get ahead of um, Antoine Semenyo, um, Andy Vyman and Chris Martin? Uh, question mark. And, and, and if somebody does come in, does that mean it's less opportunity for Tommy Conway and Sam Bell? So, again, there's a balance on that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so, in terms of uh, you and your previous role, I was just interested to know, what what's the big difference between being a football CEO and involved in the cricket. Is there is there a big difference? And surprisingly not. I mean there's a there's a there's a bigger emphasis on um, on on player agents. Uh, but that aside, no, you know, my previous role at the Oval and Chief Executive Surrey, it's it's 
very very similar you know we judge ourselves on our uh, on our ability to win games um we we take pride in uh in the pathway that we can provide for 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 young local players to come through and break into the team and have great careers and we really enjoy having a a club that is well supported growing and creates interest to the wider community so no the principles are all the same some of the tactics are probably a little bit sharper in football uh, and that's uh, that's all good fun and also just interested to know you obviously you were a commercial director here um back 2001 for four years yeah. Yeah, uh, and then years. coming back to the club uh how was that how was that coming back to a a, um, a role oh, not a role but a club that you'd been at before yeah, uh, well, it was it was really helpful because there are lots of friendly faces, um, <laughs> and uh, and that makes things um, uh, gives you a smoother transition. The, the biggest change was the investment in facilities that we've seen, um, and the fact that we're now playing in the championship. When I was last with the club, we're in League One, and now we've been in the championship for eight years, and long may that continue up until the point we get promoted. But the level of facilities, both at Ashton Gate and um, and here up at the High Performance Centre. Are, uh, are extraordinary and they are you, you know i'm going to use the legacy word apologies i'm not on uh, i'm not on uh, I, I don't want to jump on too many bandwagons but but these these are the sorts of facilities that will that will strengthen and protect the club for for, for decades to come uh, because they're the kind of investment that uh, can only be made when you've got the kind of ownership group that we've got that, that that does and has looked on such a long horizon you know uh, Steve has been involved with the club and investing in the club for 25 years and uh, and you see the amount of passion that goes in uh, even you know you, you look at the Robbins Foundation and the work that that does uh, in terms of education in South Bristol is it 250 boys and girls going through the Robbins Foundation it's a, it's um it's not a football team it's a it's it's a proper club and and, and as such as you know it's a joy to be able to work for and be part of yeah well richard thank you so much for coming on the podcast for keeping the door open to to fans like us and engagement in events going forward and events in the past matt any final words for you no I just echo exactly what you've said it's it's again something that i think has been long overdue and it's taken Richard to come in and, and um, you know, open those doors for us. So, um, and, and also obviously thank you to, to, to Steve and Maggie for, um, you know, allowing that as well. It's, you know, it's, it's their club, but well, I say that it's their club. They recognise it's our club. It's it's the fans club. Um, and you, you're taking a nod back with what we're doing with the former players, but also with what you're doing for the, the youngsters going forward. You know, we talked to Mark on the, the pod earlier on about the new family sort of changes that have been made, and I've seen some of those. Brilliant. And and that, again, the, the boys and girls that were there watching that yesterday and, and had that experience, they wouldn't have cared that we lost 3-2 really at the end of it. They would have just had a really great day. And so having that engagement is vital going forward. So, again, huge huge kudos to those involved. Yeah, and he also mentioned the sporting quarter and how much of an impact that will exactly. have. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you can see from the Commonwealth Games, you know, those sort of things and the things that we could get involved with when you you have that size of arena you know Mark was saying that he's had so many inquiries that could sell out that kind of arena so uh, yeah it's it's all good good things in as you know again I'm not going to use that word that Richard did but for for future fans it's brilliant it's brilliant so yeah massive thank you from me and also just to touch on Nigel Pearson Matt I remember him saying that he is a custodian 
of the the club and notices that and recognises that. He's very clear, isn't he, in what he says in terms of, you know, what he's here to do his job whilst he's here and he knows that potentially the ultimate goal may be when he's not here, but he's putting in the foundations to, to try and help the club achieve that. So, you know, whether whether he's a you know a, a manager that you like or you don't like, what he says is very much the, the, the case of it's how you sustain and go forward, isn't it? So, yeah, he's uh, I think he's very clear on that, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Richard, thank you so much for your time. We're gonna we're gonna go off and do the ratings now, but we'll let you go. <laughs> we were worried that if we, we made you rate Chris Martin, he passes you in the corridor again. <laughs> uh, well I I'd give them all nine <laughs> There you yeah. go, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Richard. Thank Take you, care. Richard. Bye bye. So Matt, okay, let's um move on to the next segment of the podcast, which is the ratings. Save it to you. Okay, um, again, Patch is a, a difficult one in terms of first half, second half, but you know we, we rate on the game, don't we? So, so I've gone Dan Bentley five. Um, Dan made a couple of good saves, no, no toys about it. But I also felt he will be disappointed with probably all three of the goals. I'm I'm not apportioning any blame to him per se, but um, the first one it's his ball into to Naismith, and I've said that's the way we want to play. But he then comes back, and it's a shot in the middle of the goal. The second one in particular seemed to go through him. So he made a couple of good saves and, and I toyed with a, potentially a six, but I just felt that he will probably be disappointed with with the three goals that, that went in. Um, Zach, I've gone five. Um, it, it's very difficult. I thought he had a good game, Zach. He, he, he was playing how I'd expect him to play. You you referenced it during the minutes. Number of good combinations with with Andy Vyman down the right hand side, but it's that moment again, and, and it's my my fear with with Zach is that you almost feel there's a, a mistake in there that's going to be costly, and that proved to be the case yesterday. In the same way as it did with Naismith yesterday. So you know, again, I'm not I, I don't want to castigate Zach, but it was a mistake. So that that's why I've gone five. Um. Naismith, similarly, I've gone five. I didn't think he was as influential on the game yesterday. Um, the two centre-forwards in Stewart and Sims are, are, are both big, powerful lads and, and he, he was being given a bit of a difficult time. So I've gone five for him. Um, Rob Atkinson, I've gone six. I thought Rob was the best of the three yesterday. Brought the ball out a number of times. Could easily have been a seven, but because he's part of a back three, back four, that can see three goals... Hence the reason for the six, but I thought Rob was was the, the best of the the, the back. Um, Jay De Silva, and it's an interesting one because I, I had a couple of um, callers on Radio Bristol after the game on Jeff's show um, talking about Jay De Silva, and, and he was outstanding. I, I might be using words there, but certainly was a positive performance. Um, I was disappointed with Jay. I, th- I thought he should have scored with the chance that he had. His crossing, again, I didn't think was up to the mark that it needs to be. So for me, it was a five. And maybe I've seen something very different than others there. But No, I, I agree. Felt, um, uh, what, what I noticed is he, he doesn't seem as willing to take players on yeah, as, it, as much as we did when we saw him sort of in his first spell, if you like. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, <laughs> he's a player that if it got announced tomorrow that we'd sold for you know a fair bit of money... With Campring there as well, we, you need to get a replacement as well. But I, I just don't, I don't see the influence that Jay should be having with the quality that he's got. And like you're saying, going forward in particular, so might might be slightly harsh on yesterday. Maybe it was a six, but I just felt that 
with the ball that he could have got and put in. I can't I think he's definitely many. We know he's definitely capable, and he yeah. and and he will have games where he does take players on. Yeah. So yeah, I and definitely a, would want to keep him. There's a positive patch that that's each of the games now that he's got forward and got opportunities on goal. Um, you know, last week's was very much felt like a Stoke City kind of strike, and then yesterday, if he hits the target, he probably scores. So mm. yeah, so maybe slightly harsh, but um, Joe Williams and Han Noah, you know. I, I keep referencing about Han. Um, he is a player I like. And we saw the, the good and the bad of Han yesterday. There were a lot of times that he was ratting around in there and, and winning the ball, played a number of really good passes out and, and the way that he, he kind of, his body shaped to, to come away with the ball. But it's that influence again. And, and was there enough in terms of the creativity? Was there enough in terms of, I can't recall him having a shot. Joe, Joe did. And obviously Joe set up a couple of opportunities. But, I just felt it's a, it's where we lost the game. And that might be tactically, so not just the two of them, because I felt they were overrun again. I think we needed another body in there. But for both of them, their their influence waned massively as the game went on. Um, and as a result of that, I went 2-5. Um, could easily have been, and probably, you know, perhaps this is where the results do come into place, unfortunately. But if it's 2-2, that maybe is two sixes, But... Um, I just felt that their influence wasn't what it should be. And it's a key area for me in talking with Richard there about transfers. I, you know, I'm, I'm desperate for us to get a strong, powerful midfielder in there. Um, and if we don't, I think we do need tactically to look at what we're doing because that's two games now where certainly in the last 20 minutes of each game, we've been overrun in the middle of the pitch. And there's been a player, Sari or Sari, last week for Hull, Pritchard yesterday, that ran the show. And... I can't remember the last time, Patch, we had a midfielder. Well, probably it was Han up at Preston, but a midfielder that ran the show that was the clear quality player on the pitch. Again, we know that Joe Williams in particular and Matty James are both capable of it, but it's getting that consistency, isn't it? It's the consistency, but it's also, yeah, it, it, it's I'm, I'm not seeing that enough. And, and, I, and I will also say with Pritchard, Pritchard comes off and he comes behind the goal at the South Stand and he's oh, getting yeah. absolute pelters one guy standing up giving him all sorts of abusive hand signals and stuff. And I, I'm thinking, what what are you doing? What Like the bloke's, he's, he's out at work playing a game of football and it's been really impressive and you're you're acting like that. You know, it's a player, ideally, you, you, you know, you'd want to sign that kind of quality. So sometimes you think, Christ, you, you haven't watched a game, mate. You should be applauding that performance. But anyway, um, Sykes, again, not as influential as he was last week. So I've gone five for him. Um, Alex Scott, he had moments where he absolutely bossed it um, and, and looked quality. Um, and then he, he, he disappeared out of it. And again, that might have been more tactically. Um, I've gone six for Alex. Um, could easily again have been a seven in a different result, which is a stupid thing to say, I know. But there were moments where he showed absolutely why you would expect Premier League clubs to be sniffing around him. Um, you know, he, he really is a player that I'm sure... There will be bids coming for him, whether it's now or whether it's January, because if he can perform like he did in spells yesterday, and your word that consistency, and bear in mind this is this is really still his pre-season, having had that break. I know he was in the, the Euros, but didn't play every minute for that, and you know the the way that you're, you're training is going to be slightly different. So yeah, um, so six for me for Alex, Chrissy Martin. I've gone five because I've given him the goal in this, despite what I'd said during what we were saying, but when I did the ratings, I did. Um, 
but it wasn't it wasn't a Chrissy Martin performance that I've come to expect from him. I felt he was a little bit off the pace yesterday. So he was the one. I think had he not got the goal, it would have been a four for me. Um, I just didn't feel he was at the level, the mobility that's that's needed up there. Um, yeah, I think the, def- the defenders sort of had his number a little bit as well. In yeah. Terms of- Headers yeah. one and things yeah, like that. Where exactly. He's, where he's usually much better. He's normally the most effective player on the pitch for that, isn't he? So yeah. Um and then I think the final one, um Vyman. Andy, yeah, Andy Vyman um was seven for me, a man of the match. Um yeah. I just felt that it was again a non stop running performance. Um obviously the goal again, um, but other you know, numerous elements of, of his game yesterday that you wonder patch that you know where would we be without Andy Vyman at the moment because he sets the tempo so much um so yeah so for me Andy was the man of the match yesterday okay and the average is five point something uh, I think it's 5.36 yeah 5.36 okay um so and for Nigel sorry yeah. just very quickly um it's got to be a five um yeah. you know it's okay. a home defeat um as I say I think tactically we got things wrong as the game went on so yeah it's got to be a five Question for you. Do you think that the Matty James late change had an impact on proceedings? Maybe the start, maybe the goal? Um, no, no, not not in terms of the goal, because I think it was from a, a sort of passion play that, that you know, the midfield weren't involved. Did it have an impact? Uh, I think it does in terms of what Nigel Pearson sees. Um, I'm probably a little bit ignorant to, to what Matty James brings Um you know, I've, I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, we missed him and what a brilliant player because I've, I've said last week that I, I worry that he's not got the energy. But obviously what he does bring to that side, I, I'm I'm missing and I don't mean that in a... But there's an influence there that, that obviously he has and, and clearly, uh, yes, in, in the middle of the pitch. And, and you want actually, you know, Han probably isn't going to be here come next season. Um, but you know he's he's not signed yet, so you would have thought that if he he had an intention, of he would have done. So you want to see Matty James and Joe Williams forming that partnership. So it, you know, after last weekend, um, and starting off the way we did, it was it was a blow. Um, so hopefully it's not too serious. I think I'm sure Nigel Pearson said it was a calf problem, and I don't think that was the problem he had last year. I think that was more of a heel issue. So hopefully it's not a reoccurrence of anything. Okay. But yeah, he obviously has an influence patch um, clearly. Okay, um, right. Well, we don't know if we're playing Wednesday or not. <laughs> well, I mean, when you look at the pitch, and I, I didn't know whether there was an option for it to be switched to being played at Ashton Gate. Who knows? I guess not because of what that would mean in terms of ticketing arrangements and everything else. Well, and staffing. Yeah, know, exactly. You can't yeah, suddenly exactly. say, right, we need 400 staff in yeah. um, for, and for Wednesday. S- but but similarly, Pat, you can't see how they could switch it to an alternative venue because of that, because yeah. if you can switch yeah, yeah, it yeah. then. So I think it's, it's either played... Or, buy. Um, or yeah, I don't I don't know what that situation is in terms of the buy. I mean, it, it, you you do sort of feel whether it's their responsibility or wasps or whoever, but it's their football pitch that they play on. They should have an involvement in it. You do feel that they're negligent on that. So um, you know, and, and I, I want to see the game play because it's not fair on the fans. But mm. yeah, it's let's yeah. assume it's going to be on, right? Yep. Um, changes. Do you give others opportunity given that we've lost the first two we, games? Do you start you, Conway? Do you start yeah, Wells? You, you won't have heard it, but but Nigel Pearson was asked that question by um, okay. Rich on Radio Bristol and, and said that, no, he, he wants these players to basically win a game to, to, to get that confidence. So, right. 
dependent on injuries. Sykes, you know, may, maybe you don't risk Sykes and you bring Kane Wilson in. Personally, I would bring Tommy Conway in up front for Chris Martin. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was exactly the same side patch, yeah. Okay, cool. Right, lovely stuff. Um, I hope you've enjoyed that. It's been um, great to get Mark Kelly and Richard Gould on this week's podcast. A bit of a, a first home game bonanza. But uh, we'll be back soon, either Wednesday, just, Thursday, or Saturday, Sunday, just, Monday. Just one other thing, sorry, mate. Just, just in terms of the former players' launch yesterday and and the Legends' Lounge, just how was that for you? It must have been amazing. It was, it was. I'm not going to lie; it's hard work. Um, yeah. You know, we've got how many banners did we put up? Twenty odd, thirty odd banners, yeah. which um, you know that's a, a, a sweaty job. But once that was all done and we could sort of relax and entertain and walk in the players around the Lansdowne Lounge, then the Heineken Lounge and see in Cheesy do the Q&A with some of the women as well, the Bristol City women's team. Uh, it's an absolute privilege, mate, to be yeah. honest. Um, I I revel in the former players as much yeah. as the current players. They mean so much to, to us as fans. And I'm always interested to see how they will get uh, received by the Ashton yeah. Gate crowd when they come back as a player. Uh, but also when we parade them on the pitch like yesterday. Um, yeah. It was a packed gate. Lots of people were in their seats. And that first cheer for Tony Thorpe just made it all worth it. And then the preceding uh, four players after that. And Gary Hours got a massive reception what, from all, what, all corners. Yeah, I mean, what a lovely experience for, for Gary in particular because of the Sunderland connection there. That must have been really nice for him. Just one one point of interest. I saw a, a tweet from someone yesterday, and it looked like it was yesterday, but was drinking with Robbie Turner. Um, and Robbie Turner had a Sunderland top on. He's a Sunderland um, fan, I think. Yeah, well, there you go. So um, that would be, uh, yeah bit of a shame really that we you know wouldn't have known that to have got him involved because absolutely but if anyone's yeah. listening knows Robbie then please do put him in touch because it'd be great to get him back down and on Robin's reunited with yeah, Bob Taylor def- <laughs> definitely definitely <laughs> but no thanks for bringing that up Matt it's uh, okay, it, as I say it is a an honor um and um a privilege to be involved in that and long may that continue for the rest of the season and please do we'll share it on three peeps twitter and also bcfc underscore fpa twitter as well but um the video of yesterday as i said at the very start it was it was quite an emotive thing to put together and uh the music as well brings it out as well so please do check that out and you can see the experience and how it all went but um for now we will leave it there uh thanks to richard thanks to mark uh thanks to you and we'll be back very very soon um and don't forget to retweet this to to be in with a chance of winning that richard latham book right we'll leave it there thank you so much take care cheers all the best bye i've been riding low i've been riding fast Gonna take this moment, I'm gonna make it last Cause you don't know me Don't be quick to judge Cause I tell you something, I don't care that much Don't come around here Preaching your goddamn rules Don't come around here
gonna regret it if you stay in this town. I'm no savior, I will take you down. This here town. Don't take long to know just what I did Don't come around here Preaching your goddamn rules Don't come around here yeah. I ain't no Watching that little town slowly disappear